Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Everybody, it's great to be with you this evening, wherever you are, however you're gathering, one weekend out from the June long weekend. And what, what, a, um, what an exciting weekend next week uh, is looking to be as people, um, things open up and people begin to travel. And I hope wherever you are, uh, that you'll, you'll be able to link in with uh, the household and the people you're with next Sunday morning as we continue the series in Mark in the morning and all that goes with it. And then in the PM, we'll wrap this, uh, this series called Back to the Future. So I really hope you can be with us next Sunday, Sunday AM and PM, uh, really a significant message in this series. And it's going to be a creative gathering. I think you're really going to enjoy next Sunday night and next Sunday morning. Well, we're going to get straight into it uh, tonight as we um, get ready to come around the scriptures. Let me read to you as we launch tonight. Joshua chapter 23 and verse 14, it says this. Soon Joshua is speaking to the people that uh, he's um, led for the last um, decades. And he says this, soon I will die going the way of everything on earth. Deep in your hearts, you know that every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Not a single word has failed. What a, what a statement to be able to make. This is, this is Joshua, who um, Caleb, who we looked at last week, had been Joshua's right-hand man most of his adult life. And he says, he's here at the end of his days. He's an old man now. And he says to the people gathered with him, a generation younger, he says, hey, you know what we've seen come to pass in my lifetime? We've seen God deliver on every promise that he said he would. Every word of his promise, he's brought to pass. Everything that he said to us and placed in our hearts, God has done that in our lifetime. What a statement to be able to make if you're Joshua, as he reflects on his life. And the thing about Joshua is this, from an early age, right across his life, at pivotal moments, uh, and as the season demanded it, Joshua was a man and a leader who continually repositioned his life for his God appointed future. Time and time again, he just would turn up, repositioning his life for the future, and especially for his God appointed future. My hope is that at the end of your days, at the end of my days, we'd be able to say that too, that, we'd, that we do, yes, that in this season, as we come out of the lockdown, we'd reposition our lives for the future and our future. But not only that, we'd reposition our lives for our God-appointed future, that that'd be what we'd get done. That's my hope. My hope is that you'd be able to say these words as well. Deep in your heart, you know that every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Not a single word has failed. Imagine that, the purpose and promise that God has for your life, that every single part of it would come to pass in your lifetime. Um, to be able to look back and say that, what we need to do tonight is to look forward and reposition for it. That's really straightforward, isn't it? To be able to come to the day where we can look back and say, say that we need to reposition or we need to look forward now and reposition for it. I wonder, are you there yet? Are you ready for it? Are you up for that? Tonight, I want to get super practical around 
around this idea of repositioning for your future and for your God-appointed future. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about resetting around what matters most. Resetting around what matters most so that you are repositioned for the future. And we're going to look at some principles today that put into practice will absolutely reposition you, no doubt about it. They will. Um, my hope is that you will work these principles into your life if you haven't already, but not leave them there, but align them with the purposes of God. Because we can build a future or we can build a God-appointed future. So build these principles into our life and then align our life with the purposes of God. And that will see us living with cause in our heart and a, you know, a fire in our soul. It will see us um, um, positioned to uh, develop every ounce of our God-given potential to be positioned uh, to fulfill every appointed purpose in our God-appointed future. That's what God wants for you. That's what He wants for me. He wants to see that happen. Heart stirred, fire in the soul, all of our potential fulfilled, all of His purposes for our life coming to pass. That's what He wants for your life. The only thing standing between you and that reality, the only thing standing between me and that reality, this side of eternity is me and it's you. And if we will come and go, you know what? I'm just, I'm going for it. I'm going to reposition my life for the future. That can come to pass. So today, week three, we're doing this. Building on what matters most repositions us for our God-appointed future. Building on what matters most. Um, some of you would know, many of you would not, that three years ago, uh, this autumn, three years ago, uh, Bron, the kids and I had a house fire go through our home. And we were out of that home in temporary accommodation for uh, around six months. So when winter hits, I actually naturally think of it um, because it was winter when, you know, we we're right in the heart of all that unfolding. But, but, but here's the thing, when the, the night we got the call about the fire, I raced home, I burst into the home, surrounded by flames, pushing firemen out of my way and, because I wanted to get to the thing that mattered most. It was a brave move by any measure. And then I so I did. Got into the house, scanned my eyes, I dodged the flames and I grabbed the thing that mattered most. And there it is. It was worth the risk. It was worth the risk to run through the flames to get to the thing that mattered most. Actually, the truth is that by the time I got home, there were no flames and no one was going to let me in to dodge them. And if by chance I did get to run into the flames and by chance or by the grace of God, I did survive, I can tell you right now, that is not the thing that I would grab. And as you look at that, you knew, you knew straight away, Darren, don't be ridiculous. Of course, we know that you didn't grab the bulldog's flag and we had grave doubts that you did run through the fire. But here's the thing, you know, as much as that would be a ridiculous thing to run into the fire to save, people build their lives on things that matter as much as that. When you think about the things that matter most, many, many people spend their lives building on things that matter as much as that does in what you would save from a fire. The truth is, 
that if I did run into the flames, I don't know if you can catch that, that's who I'd be going in to save. And I'd be saving them in order of importance. And that will remain a mystery until the day I die. Not really. I love them all equally. And um, I don't know why I said that. Building our lives around what matters most. The reality is if I had run through the flames and, and the, the family was in the home, the only thing I'd be grabbing is my children and my wife. That would be it. That's what I'd be going after because they're the things that matter most, repositioning our lives. So week one, we talked about the power to choose. In week two, uh, we talked about living with a different spirit. And today, talking about building on what matters most. When you think about your life, are you, are, you, are you really right now, as it is, going after what matters most? Many of you would be. And so, and tonight, if you're not, or even if you are, I just want us to take a moment and to think about it because this is big as it relates to the trajectory of our future. Listen to this. We're going to go to the Bible. The Apostle Paul is speaking and he, he's, he's talking about the repositioning his life has gone through so that he is ready and in place for his God-appointed future. Listen to the text from Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. In the New Living Translation of the Bible, it says this. I once thought these things were valuable. He's talking about things that he rated in his past in times gone by. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I can gain Christ. Wherever you hear Christ, it means Jesus and become one with him. I no longer count, uh, sorry, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Thank God for that. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ or faith in Jesus. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ Jesus and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead or the resurrection life in some versions. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, thank God. But I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. And here we see this text in which Paul has undergone an extraordinary, hard to grasp repositioning in his heart and life around what matters most so that he can position for his God appointed future. I want you to listen to some of the language because it, it, it gives us the hints in the principles that really um, set us up around what matters most and position us for our God-appointed future. He says this, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. That's what a person repositioning their life does. They look at the things that they once considered valuable and recognize their true value, like a bulldog's flag. When I was nine years old, I think, 19, I was eight years old, 1979, I was eight years old, the Bulldogs made the grand final and they lost. And I had tears in my eyes. It was such a big deal to me. 
But I once these things that were valuable, I now consider them worthless. What a crazy waste of time it would be to shed a tear over a football team that you don't play for as men wear coloured shirts chasing a ball filled with air. It's a crazy idea. He says, I once thought these things valuable. Now I consider them worthless. Here is another hint at what matters most and what doesn't. I have discarded everything, counting it all as garbage. He just saw it for what it was. I'm off and running, he goes on and says. I'm not turning back. I gave up all that inferior stuff. I focus on the one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on. I've got my eyes on the goal. This is a man who has repositioned his life from the way it was to what matters most as he steps into his future. Paul was done with the way it was. Paul repositions for the future and Paul hits reset around what matters most. And that's what I'm hoping God will get done in you tonight or start tonight and get done in you and I over the coming weeks, that, that we would ultimately hit reset around what matters most, that we'd put everything on the table and hit reset around what matters most. And as powerful as these, um, these principles are, they're less than half the story. The, the principles on their own, if you apply the things that I've just said, will actually help us reposition our lives but they won't accomplish what God wants them to because the principles on their own are less than half the story. The principles are there and God wants us to take hold of those principles and align them with the purposes of God. Listen to it, listen to it. I I only read you half the sentences. I want you to listen to the second half of every sentence now so that we don't get caught up in the principle alone, but the purpose behind it. It says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. And then he gives the why. Because of what Christ Jesus has done. That's why that's not valuable. That's why it's now worthless to me. He goes on, I've discarded everything else, counting it as garbage. And then he gives the why. So that I could gain Christ Jesus. It's rubbish because of why. It's rubbish because of Jesus. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, right? The principle. I press on the principle to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus is calling us. Again, we see it. The principle, it's only there to align with the purposes of God. And that's where the true power is. Not repositioning just for a future, but repositioning for a person's God-appointed future. Goes on, I gave all the inferior stuff up so that I could know Jesus personally. And he says this finally, I've got my eye on the goal. He goes on to say where God is calling me, beckoning us towards Jesus. To only live the principle is to gain a great advantage and miss the point completely. To only live the principle is to gain a great advantage and to miss the point completely. When you position your life for its future, Will you only gain the advantage of the temporary now and miss the point of the whole thing? Or will you reposition in a way that sets you up for everything that God calls you to? To only live the principle is a great gain, but it's to miss the point. Paul has been so changed by who Jesus is, what Jesus 
has done. All Jesus calls him to um, and, and would invite humanity to through him. That whatever his life was about before is about something way more now. And so now let us today, let's consider a reset around what matters most that repositions us for the future and especially our God appointed future. Think about Paul's words again. He says, forgetting what's behind, I press on to what's ahead. I press on to what's ahead. I press on to what matters most in his decision-making, in his spirit, in the priorities in his life, in, in what his day looks like, what his week looks like, what his, what his life is all about. He presses on. He forgets what's behind and he presses on to what's ahead, resetting around what matters most. And so here's the first principle, principle one. If nothing changes, nothing changes. Uh, it sounds so obvious. And yet it's been such a challenge for so many people to live. You know, I've said it before. I don't need to read another book or another blog or another anything to know how to lose weight and get in shape. I've got enough knowledge to last a trillion lifetimes. But just because I know it, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And it's the truth with us. It's possible that someone can come to this meeting every week. And some people have gone to meetings like this every week for years and nothing changes so nothing changes but I think if you're here tonight if you're like me you want to change you want to be changed by God and you want to reposition your life for its God appointed future well the good news is God doesn't call you to that to torment you with it he calls us to it to lead us into it he gives us power and strength and ability to get it done and so we get that a repositioning has to happen that change must come and I don't know about you, as we start to come out of lockdown, I can, I can feel the pressures coming in already. Um, but for, for, for us, by design or default, by design or default, many people will return to business as usual. But I'm encouraging us tonight, let's be those who set up for the future. Let's be those who commit to change, change we know needs to happen. Um, making changes in our priorities, making good change in our daily rhythm. Um, so settle it now. Settle it now that you're going to lead personal change. Just settle it tonight. Don't worry about the detail. I'm going to lead personal change. I am going to build on what matters most. I'm going to reposition my life for what is possible with God. Um, everything on the table in my priorities and in my weekly rhythm. Everything on the table. I, I like the idea. You know, have you ever seen them in a movie? They'll do it, won't they? Like a, you know, some action movie where you know it's going to end in an empty warehouse with two people. And anyway, um, let's hope they come up with a different end. And someone will come in and they'll sweep everything off the table and the map goes down. It's interesting. It's the only time that people just sweep it off the table, let it crash everywhere, and they put the map down. It's literally that kind of idea is pushing everything out of the way and going, okay, let's just create a blank canvas here and let's put everything on the table that might be in the mix of what matters most and then and then bring to the table our sacred cow that thing that needs to change but hasn't changed as it relates to what matters most the sacred cow what is it for you what 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 is it that really isn't helping you um you know just setting up around what matters most. I've talked about it, so I won't linger there. 
around, for me, early mornings being sacred in this next season. I think that is something that I think matters most and I want to reposition with it. The second thing for me is more nights at home. What is it for you? I've written some thoughts here. It might be social media off so kids are in focus. That'd be, you tell me which one would matter most. I've just taken Instagram off my phone, made it hard for me to look at it um, just so that it's just not taking up all my spare time when the natural click when there's nothing else to do. It might be for you, social media off, kids in focus. It might be social media off, Bible study on. Here's one. It might be a Netflix movie out for church weekly in. Uh, I, I just want you to think about it rationally, no emotion attached. So, you know, some of us um, set up church as like an enemy to family, like, I can't do church and family. Let me, let me give you a new reality. If you watch Netflix for 90 minutes a week or whatever, stand, whatever, Apple TV, if you watch those platforms for 90 minutes a week, church service only goes for 70. It's not family against church. Change it up a bit and make it Netflix against church. And I tell you what, we soon come to, it's very easy to see what matters most for me, for my spouse if I'm married, for my family if I've got one. Oh, it becomes so easy to see what matters most, which repositions me better. This week's latest series released on Netflix or this week's church gathering where the people of God are, where there's a power of prayer going on, where the Holy Spirit gathers, the Bible says, where you can be encouraged and where you can be an encourager, where you can be built and you can be a builder, where you can be contributed to and you can be a contributor. It is a no-brainer around what matters most. The question is, will I make the change that I need to see happen and reposition for my God appointed future? I tell you, I hope some of you, We'll get serious about asking an honest question. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to point you forward. I'm trying to set you up for your God-appointed future. And so will you, will you be part of those who takes an honest look, not church against family, but Netflix against church. You can make an enemy, find an enemy. There's not one that'll stand up. Now I am very aware that right now, as the clock ticks over 6.32, that the Bulldogs are about to play football. But I can tell you right now, there's no place I'd rather be than here with you in this moment because this has the power to reposition us for the future. And don't worry, not much is going to happen in the first 20 minutes of an NRL game. You'll be there at half time. I only live the principle. All right, press on. If nothing changes, nothing changes. No sacred cows. What is it for you? Principle two. What, principle two. What is a problem to fix and what is a tension to manage? This is one of the most helpful things I've ever heard. It's been so helpful for us. Some things in what matters most, they're a problem to fix. And other things, they're just a tension to manage. If it's a problem to fix, by um, it, it just has no place in our life and we want to reposition and cut it out. But, but other things are a tension to manage. They, they need to be in our life. And so there's a tension over what gets what time? Let me let me explain it to you. An obvious example for us is work and family. Um, in, in my own life, the priority of work has been a problem to fix at certain times and a tension to manage at other times. Um, in the early years of our marriage, I was definitely a workaholic. Most of our arguments at home for Brian and I, they weren't about money, they were about working. They were about how many hours I work. And I would say, I need to work more. And Brian would say, we've got kids, you need to work a little bit less. And so in the end, we agreed, I think it was 55 hours 
which was a contraction for me. And part of the problem was I would feel guilty I wasn't at work when I was at home. And then when I was at work, I'd feel guilty that I wasn't at home. And it was a problem to fix. And then for the last few years, it's just been a tension to manage. Sometimes I'll be traveling a bit for a few weeks and I'm not seeing as much of my children or Bron, but I'll be mindful of that. And so I'll clear out my diary for the weeks after when I'm not traveling and I'll have extra nights at home and we'll have a date night and go somewhere nice and I'll make sure I spend extra time with the kids. And it's not a problem to fix because we need to work and that is the priority of family. It's now a tension to manage in the rhythm of my life. There are some things as we build around what matters most, some things are a problem to fix and some things are just a tension to manage and, and you discerning the difference becomes very powerful in your life. You know, if you're a person and you've got a hobby that neglects your family, that is not a tension to manage. That is a problem to fix. But if in the mix of life, I'm doing some things that I love and, and prioritizing my family, I'm trying to work out the rhythm and making sure my family gets the best. Well, that is a tension to manage. Where, where in your life have you got a problem to fix? Is there anywhere you've got a tension to manage? Let's have a look. Let's ask some people who understand and let's make some honest and repositioning decisions that are powerful for our, for our future. Number three, number three today is this, um, work out what matters most, work out the priorities, what are they? Joshua did that, Paul lived that, Jesus modeled that and taught that around what matters most. Um, uh, Jesus spent time with God, it was his, like his highest priority was with the Father. Jesus spent time with his disciples, building into their life for the effect they could have. Jesus was committed to temple gathering. Jesus rested, Jesus hung out and Jesus had fun. He did all of those things and he worked them into a healthy rhythm in his life with the right priorities at the core. So here are some things to form what matters most in the week to week. If I'm a believer in Jesus, I'm talking to you now. Here they are. Number one, time with God, prayer and Bible. Everything flowed out of that for Jesus. Everything flows out of that. The sometimes in the moment effect and then and then the overflow and the overtime effect of that. In, in my view, this is singularly the most powerful thing that goes on in the spiritual life of a believer is this one-on-one time with God, Bible open, in prayer, just meditating, whatever it looks like. The number one thing I, I would suggest. Number two, family. You know, there are many things I do if, if something happens to me right now, if I was to, you know, have a heart attack, weird, if I was. They'd soon find a pastor from a church. Bron's putting a hand up right now, just going, yeah, I'll just do it on my own. But, you know, if something happened to Bron and I, our church would have no problem. There'd be people applying for that role. Tell you the one role nobody would be playing for is to be the father of my children. That's mine to do. And um, family. Time with God, family, only you. Three, church. The Bible gives me a why. It talks about the priority for believers around me of, of honouring God, you know, with the first in my life, including worship. But also that it says, as you see the end of time coming, it's going to become more and more important. Number four, work. The Bible has a lot to say about work, that it's part of worship, that it's a blessing to our lives, that we should work hard, that we, 
um, we, it gets to provide and it's an opportunity for our lives to speak to everybody around us. Work number six, God first, others orientated generosity. I want to see that in the rhythm of my everyday life and encourage you to do the same. Number seven, one of the things, this is just something I do is build in future capacity every week. It's just a priority. I'm going to spend some time every week just building in future capacity for what might be possible with God. And I'd encourage you to do the same. I have a list for our children that Bron and I would use as well, things that we want to build in. And then and then this, um, we're going to skip number four. Number five, if in doubt, throw it out. There are some things just that need to go. Just throw them out. What is it for you? What could it be? If in doubt, throw it out. That's how I clean. That's how I clean the rooms, how I clean the house, how I spring clean. That's how I clean the car. If in doubt, I'm going to throw it out. Pretty sure I've thrown out a few things that I shouldn't have, but it served us well. Number six, and finally, it's just to fully commit. Fully commit to repositioning your life. That's what Paul did. That's what Joshua did. And of course, Jesus was on mission uh, from his opening breath. Fully commit. Paul said this, I once thought these things were value, but now I consider them worthless. He fully commits to the repositioning because of what Jesus has done. He fully commits to his God-appointed future. I have discarded everything else, counting all as garbage. He fully commits to what matters most so that I could gain Christ. He fully commits to his God-appointed future. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on. He fully commits to what matters most so that I could gain Christ. He fully committed to his God-appointed future. Um, I gave up all the inferior stuff. He fully commits to what matters most so I could know Jesus personally. He fully commits to his God-appointed future. And then finally, I've got my eye on the goal. He fully commits to what matters most, where God is beckoning onward to Jesus. He fully commits to his God-appointed future. May you, may we be those who fully commit to what matters most, that it might reposition us for our God-appointed future. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.